0: You're listening to Feral Attraction, hosted by Vero the Science Colleague. With me this week as a guest host is Chase Wolf. On this week's show, we open with an explanation of where Feral Attraction has been for the last few months. Our main topic is choosing your values. What are values? Where do they come from? And how do we choose the values that will support what we most want to experience in life? We close with a question about handling communication between mates when a polytriad becomes a bee. Welcome back to Feral Attraction. Uh, I'm Vero the Science Collie. And I'm Chase Wolf. And I'm glad you could be here, Chase. Uh, you know, This is the first show that I've uh, done in the last, I think, four months or so. I think our last show might have been end of March. And as I'm sure many of our regular listeners will be aware, we've been on hiatus for a bit, uh, in part because I was resettling myself in the lovely state of Michigan, where I now live with Uh, One of my mates, Rhythm Fox. You may hear him scampering around the background. If there's any background noise, I blame the Fennec. Um, But uh, we're really enjoying our new apartment. Um, We do live right next to a freeway. So it seems no matter whether I live in New York or Seattle or Michigan, I cannot escape the background noise. So we will do the best we can. But unfortunately, the Feral Attraction Studio is, is still a tad non ideal on the production value side of things. But we'll try to make up for it with really nice content. Um, But yeah, so this is, I had Chase on the show because, frankly, just listening to me talk for 90 minutes would be a bit much, even for me. And uh, we have lost our intrepid panda co-host, who is busy with personal projects and running his own life, which I absolutely cannot blame him for. And we wish the panda all the best. But uh, in light of his departure, I've needed to bring on guest co-hosts to have somebody to bounce ideas off of and hopefully share collective wisdom. And so we'll be kind of pulling people in from the fandom and perhaps outside of the fandom who either have some expertise on a particular area that they'd like to share with the show, or who've just had an interesting conversation with me on a particular topic recently. And maybe that that we decide that that would actually be a good uh, topic for Feral Attraction. That's actually how uh, this particular show came to be, uh, which is choosing your values and chase that evolved out of a conversation that the two of us had in one of the feral attraction telegram chat rooms, which by the way, if you'd like to join, uh, the links for those are available at feralattraction.com slash contact. Uh, but can you, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, tell me about your background and, uh, you know, a bit of the conversation that, that we'd had and what made you want to come on the show?
1: Yeah, actually, you know, we, we were having this conversation in, in that chat room, um, just very recently last week, actually, and you got a hold of me because we we were having like some really deep conversation about how you not only view your values, how you choose them, apply them in life. Um, And that's a concept and an idea that's very important to me. um, Especially here recently. Um, I, I actually, I do deal with some mental health problems. um, And I recently overcome a bit of PTSD that I've, I've battled through in my life. Um, So, a big part of getting over that was reexamining what I valued in life. Um, so it became something that was super important to me um, in, in getting myself healthier um, and understanding myself better so I could express myself better to other people.
0: Very cool. So there's a bit of personal investment in the topic and something that you've actually kind of worked through yourself and identifying your values and then perhaps choosing values that would work better for you, given everything that was going on in your life. And I think over the course of the show, we're first going to go over what values actually are because it's kind of a bit of an ambiguous concept if you're not used to thinking that way. And then we're gonna talk a bit about where, where our values come from originally. And once we've kind of established that, we're then going to break values down into a few different types and describe which types might actually be more enriching for your life. And once we've gone through all of that, we'll then talk about actually choosing your values and picking values for yourself that are going to really empower you to live the life of your dreams and really be your true self, which honestly is something that a lot of people could benefit from, I think. And it's, I think, it, it, as I mentioned, it's something that you and I have both kind of worked through for ourselves. So there's going to be some uh, kind of personal anecdotes and and stuff thrown in along the way that should be a pretty uh, pretty rich show, I think.
1: Yeah, and, and I think it's important to note that talking about something like values, that isn't a very internal thing. So it's going to be hard not to... Put a little bit of bias from it from ourselves um, into it just a little bit because it is such a personal idea to have.
0: I think it's a little bit silly to even pretend that we are unbiased or impartial on the show. I certainly don't don't pretend that I don't have biases and partiality to me. But part of being kind of radically authentic and being your true self is kind of acknowledging that and not caring and still presenting something, having outer faith in the ideas and values that you, you truly believe in. And I think that I really try to kind of walk my talk and live that out and even how I do the show. So I don't really think you need to be apologizing for having a bias chase. I think that's just part of who you are and the fact that you acknowledge it and accept it as part of you, is part of what makes you a great co-host. So uh, (laughs) hopefully we have a a really good show here. I'm I'm excited and looking forward to what we get into. So let's start out with what are values. Um, We can start with the Google dictionary definition. According to Google Dictionary, values are a person's principles or standards of behavior. They're one's judgment of what is important in life. And I think the dictionary definition is onto something there. We do use our values to make judgments. Particularly, we use them to make judgments of good and bad, or right or wrong, particularly as it applies to behaviors, both in ourselves and in other people. So if somebody does something that we don't like, we often say that they were wrong or that they're a bad person having done that thing and usually what we mean by that is they weren't really respecting or honoring one of our values so if somebody steals from me and i value personal property and the integrity of personal property that person is not respecting my value when they when they steal from me so i judge them to be a bad person because they're not they're not part of the same value system that i am that's often how we end up using our values but that, that's not entirely, I think, that the, the, doesn't fully capture everything in, in the way that I would like to think about values. The way I like to think about values is really the things that you want your actions to embody, what you want other people to see in you based on how you conduct yourself in the world. So basically, you might think of your values as the underlying meaning behind your actions when you're living it according to what you really aspire to be. And that's, that's kind of how I think about values for myself. Chase, what's your perspective on that?
1: Yeah, so I actually, um, I, I've explained this to people. And I like to use this analogy. Uh, my personal analogy I use for my values, as well as a combination of my values, morals, and ethics. But that's going to be, those are two other topics that deserve their own show, because those take just as long to get through. Um, I view that combination of those things together as sort of my own personal constitution or bill of rights right? That is the law that governs every single action I take in my life. Um, So whenever I make a decision, life decision, whether I consciously think about it or not, I'm referring back to my values to make that decision. So it's very important to have a very good understanding what you do value. And it is possible to change them. It's just not a very easy process.
0: Yeah. And I think we'll get into a bit of what that change process can look like a little bit Later in the show, but I think the metaphor of kind of laws for oneself is is useful in the sense that you know laws can be changed, they can be altered. Um, You might decide that a law requires a certain exception based on some other law or some other need that you might have. So I like that your your definition captures this idea of they're kind of almost moral guidelines or things that you want to live out, but you also recognize that there might be some flexibility there based on the the needs and the context that you're actually dealing with. Um, that's really cool.
1: I think it's a really good idea. Um, one of the things that I do try to mention in in that sense is I I do mention about the difference between breaking say a law in convenience and breaking a law because it's unjust. And and I view the values thing it's kind of the same way, right? Uh, when you break the speed limit, the speed limit's there, and there's a reason it's there. But you do it out of convenience. So you do it because it's easier. You do it out of a moment of weakness. Uh, whereas you know. There, there are some laws that are out there that you see that you maybe view as not being important or view as something that is reasonable to break. Um, and a lot of times, some of those are pushed on us by other people. Um, and that sometimes becomes an issue um, in, in, in life where you have to figure out, am I breaking this law? Is Am I breaking one of my values? And do I need to remove that value from my life?
0: Right. And I think before we start considering which values we're going to keep and which ones we're going to get rid of, it's helpful to figure out where our values come from to begin with. It's not really something that a lot of us think about consciously, at least not until we're a bit older, uh, maybe in our teenage years or uh, even kind of branching out into adulthood to think about what is, what is it that we truly stand for. Um, but we do all have values that we kind of just live by unconsciously for much of our lives until we kind of, decide to choose their values consciously. And they can come from a lot of places. It should be, I think, pretty obvious that one of the places values might come from would be our parents, right? Uh, Our parents raise us, they often try to instill their values in us to pass them along to us. And that can be to greater or lesser degrees of success depending on the relationship that you might have with your parents. In some cases, your parents might live out values that you decide you want to be the opposite of. So you might choose to model yourself on being being unlike your parents. But at the same time, it's almost on an unconscious level, we often internalize a lot of values from our parents just because it's what we saw and what was modeled for us when we were growing up. To a similar degree, our, our friends and our peers as we're growing up, our schoolmates, uh, they kind of instill some values in us as well because we want to fit in, and fitting in is kind of a core human need. So we often try to match our values with those of the people who we spend the most time with. And when we're young, that tends to be family members, and it tends to be schoolmates. Sometimes it might also be our teachers, right? Uh, and later in life, we also often tend to adopt some of our values from our relationship partners. Sometimes it's because we really look up to our relationship partner, and we decide that we really want to aspire to be more like them. Sometimes it's out of a need for compromise because you recognize that there's actually a conflict in one of the, with one of the values that your partner holds, and you decide that rather than to be in conflict, it would be easier simply to value what your partner does. And so sometimes your values might shift for that reason. But generally speaking, consciously or unconsciously, our values tend to match those of the people that we are around and those with whom we have intimate relationships, whether that's emotional intimacy like we would experience between a parent and a child, or that's more of the romantic kind of intimacy that you might see between uh, sexual partners or or romantic partners. Now we often also get a lot of our values from society at large. And that's because, I mean, we we, we live in, in a society and that society basically through its laws and through other various pressures that are placed on us tends to make us value certain things more than other things. Uh, you often see values break down uh, fairly broadly. For example, you might hear someone talk about Western values when someone's usually talking about having a really high value on individualism, personal self-expression. Those are traditional Western values. You might also hear someone talk about traditional Eastern values, which tend to be more about collectivism and uh, kind of the greater good and, and kind of uh, suborning the self to the well-being of the whole. And that tends to be more common in Eastern traditions. So we can; th- those values do often shape not only how we person what values we personally hold, but they often have an influence on the family values I was talking about earlier as well. Now, sometimes people might form a subculture or a kind of a, a sub society within the greater society, and that group might value different things. Right? Uh, we often see this in terms of, you know, currently it's talked about very much the tribalism. In the United States, we talk about red values versus blue values, for example, right? Talking about democratic values or Republican values. Those Democrats and Republicans are still a member of American society, but they they also have their own subset of values that unite them as a group. So we can often think about groups as, in some sense, being defined by the values that they share. The, The purpose of a group is usually to come together around a certain set of shared values or shared goals and oftentimes goals and values are very much aligned with each other. So thinking about the values that are being represented by a particular community or subculture that you might be a part of, the furry fandom, I think being the obvious example here, but then even within furries, there are still groups that break down even further and have different values, right? You have the furries who are more, uh, I guess you might say Yiffy, who are interested in the pornography and maybe Mursuiting side of the fandom. And you have other furs who are maybe in the the non yiffy department, who are really just there for the art and for the community and for the the plushies and and for the cuddles, and they don't they don't really want to think about it being sexual. So again, those are two different sub communities within a, a broader furry community, and there are going to be some values that are shared by the entire furry community, but there's also going to be values that are only shared by certain sub communities within that group. So, we, again we often. Not only do we choose our our subcommunities based on the values that we hold, but there's another relationship in the other way, which is that we actually absorb a lot of our values from the communities that we're a part of, whether we intend to do that or not. So this is often why you know we warn our children about you know not getting in with the wrong crowd, right? Because oftentimes we absorb a lot of our values from the crowd that we're with, and it's important to be aware of that because. When you're choosing your own values and deciding which values are actually working for you that are making you closer to your true self or letting you experience a joyful life, you want to be aware of which of those values you want to keep and which of those values maybe aren't actually serving your needs, but are coming from outside of you or being placed on you by your parents or your peers or your partner or the sub-community you're in. Uh, for a lot of people, this also can be the church or a religious group can often be a source of values that you may or may not wish to maintain, whether or not you stay a part of that group. So that's something to keep in mind, that we it's good to be aware of where your values come from. Do you have anything to add on that point, Chase?
1: Um, no, I mean, you, you've you covered it pretty well. I, I think that for for me, I like to make a distinction between letting other people choose your values and letting other people influence your values, right? Uh, because you will be influenced no matter what by other people around you. Uh, but you don't let those people necessarily choose. You base your values upon their reactions to you and how you feel about, uh, those reactions, right? You don't choose them because somebody tells you that's how you should feel. You choose it because that's the way you feel based on your reactions.
0: Sure. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, kind of they that gets Back to one of, the, I think, the core principles that I try to live by, which is to have stro- strong opinions, but loosely held. And you can think of your values as a similar thing, where you want them you want to have strong values, but kind of hold on to them a bit loosely and have some permeability. So that if you, know, you see a value that's working really well for a group that you want to be a part of or a, in a person that you respect, you might want to adopt that value yourself. But you see that a value that you're holding maybe isn't working for you. You might want to think about where, well, where did that value even come from, and why am I holding this value, right? So, that's actually a fairly decent segue into talking about types of values, and I really like to break these down into two different types, and I, I group them based on whether your values are are fear based, or whether they are consciousness based, and I think just that that sounds great and all, but what do I mean by that, right? So, a fear based value is a value that's basically causing you to take an action in order to avoid something. And you can kind of think about, these are the things that you, because you value them, you have to do certain things, right? Consciousness-based values, on the other hand, are related to your awareness of who you really are, as opposed to the you that you believe yourself to be, or the you that you were taught you were supposed to be by your parents or your peers or society. Consciousness-based values are those that cause you to take action because you want to bring something desirable into your world, because you, you, you're you choosing to experience something. And those are really the want-tos. So I really value this, and therefore I want to do this thing, rather than I have to do it. There's nothing inherently wrong with having both fear-based values and consciousness-based values. But speaking in general terms having more consciousness-based values tends to make you a happier, more joyful person. If all of your values are fear-based values, there's not a whole lot motivating you to make positive change in your life, and that can lead to you being in a bit of a funk. So if you, if you're, when you're examining your values, and we're going to talk about how you do that a little bit more in a bit, but when you are examining your values, you want to think about, is this a fear-based value, something that I'm valuing because I have to? Or is this a consciousness-based value, something that I'm valuing because I want to? And I think to make this a bit more concrete, I'll go through a few of these values and explain a little bit of why they're either fear-based or consciousness-based and how that comes up. And a lot of times there are two different ways of valuing the same thing. One might be in a fear-based way and one might be in a consciousness-based way. And in some cases, you might even be able to turn a fear-based value into a consciousness-based value just by reframing the way that you think about it and as we're talking about these values i think you'll, you'll see a few opportunities where you might be able to do that if you hold some of these values for yourself but anyway some very common fear-based values safety security right we have to survive so you know you want to keep yourself safe you want to have some security you probably want to have a safe place to sleep right these are all things we value best based, based on our, our, our basic human need for safety and security. Another one in a very similar vein is valuing absence of pain. You don't really want to experience pain, so you have to keep yourself out of danger, right? That would be another fear-based value. Another one that comes up a lot for and especially in interpersonal relationships is valuing avoidance of conflict or avoidance of confrontation. And this tends to show up in people who don't really want to rock the boat or who get really anxious and worried about upsetting other people. So they might value keeping the peace, but not out of a real consciousness-based value of peace. In this situation, they're valuing peace because they have to keep the peace, not because they want to, because they feel a real need or a real fear around what will happen if they upset someone. So that can be a a fear-based value as well. Physical appearance can be a fear based value. And this is basically if you are afraid of appearing ugly or you're afraid of not being attractive, you're afraid that you don't compare well to others. So you feel like you have to work out or you have to eat right. Even if that's not something you really want to do or something you enjoy, you have to. That would be a fear based value around physical appearance. Power and control. Uh, is often a fear-based value. But the reason people value power and control in a fear-based way is because they're actually afraid of being out of control or being insignificant or not having uh, the ability to make their mark. And so they value power and control because it makes them feel like they're not not out of control. And so that's valuing that in a fear-based way. Similarly, people can value privacy in a fear-based way because they're actually afraid of revealing who their true self is they don't want others to know you know i maybe what i'm into or what actually makes me happy they think that might be weird or strange and so they they value privacy because they're afraid of what might happen if someone found out who they really were uh recognition of res- and respect can also be a value that is fear-based and what when you value recognition and respect in this way it's generally because you're actually, again, kind of afraid of being insignificant. And so this is uh, a way of keeping yourself from experiencing that fear coming true. Fear of hell is also another big fear-based value, and this can lead to a a value of religiosity. And we'll contrast that later on with spiritualism. But religiosity is basically when you participate in a religious tradition out of a sense of obligation or a sense of fear, not because you really value what that religion is offering you in terms of positive things in your life the last value uh, that's fear-based that i wanted to get into is valuing knowledge and that doesn't sound bad at all uh, but it it can be fear-based in the sense of being afraid of the unknown feeling that you must know everything or have all the details or something's going to go terribly wrong because you didn't have a chance to do something about it because he didn't know. And so that's valuing knowledge out of a sense of fear rather than valuing knowledge for itself in a more consciousness based way. And you know, taking together all all the fear-based values, again, there's nothing necessarily bad about holding them, but because they're based in fear, they tend to be a little bit less fulfilling than values that are based because you're truly choosing them because that's something that you really value and care about. So let's actually really talk about consciousness-based values a little bit more deeply, and then also contrast them with some of their fear-based alternatives or counterparts. And again, you know, what we mean by consciousness is your your awareness of who you really are, uncovering your true self and the self that you really believe yourself to be. And that's really distinct from the self that you were told you were when you were a child by your parents or by what you th- We're told you were supposed to be by society or by gender norms or by expectations that were placed on you by someone. So the consciousness-based values that you hold are really the things that you're choosing for yourself because it's what you truly want. They're the things that you want to do. So common consciousness-based values include things like pleasure and sensuality. This is really a counterpart to valuing the absence of pain in a fear-based way, like I talked about before. And now some people are, are a little bit ashamed to admit that they value pleasure or sensuality. Again, because culturally we're somewhat told that we're supposed to value hard work and getting ahead in life and pleasure is kind of just something we do in our spare time, right? But there's actually nothing wrong with valuing pleasure and thinking pleasure is really an important part of life and something you want to be experiencing on a daily basis. And people who value pleasure can value it in a consciousness-based way, just as I said. Sensuality is very closely related. It's really wanting to to experience things, uh, uh, valuing really wanting to stimulate your senses and and have new experiences and combine your your senses in ways that you haven't experienced before. One can also value freedom in a consciousness-based way. And that's a little bit as opposed to valuing the security in a fear-based way, as I mentioned before. Uh, Ben Franklin famously said, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. And what Ben was getting at there, I think, is the idea that freedom and security are often in opposition to each other. And that we actually kind of have to strike a balance between valuing our security in a fear-based way and then really choosing to value freedom. If we don't choose to value freedom, it's very easy to just default to valuing security and getting yourself in a really locked down, you know, kind of mindset. You know, you'd be much more secure if you never went out of your house, but you also wouldn't have very much freedom, right? So it's important to kind of strike a balance between how much we're valuing these things and figure out where that balance is for you. Achievement uh, is another consciousness-based value. Some people really value, they really, that the feeling they get when they they complete something, when they check something important off of their to-do list. That's a really good feeling for a lot of people. And so they can value achievement that way. This is a bit different than valuing recognition because that emotion you get from achievement is internal to oneself. It comes from a sense of completing something that was important to you. Recognition, on the other hand, is more of a fear-based value because it's really dependent on what another person is reacting to in what you're doing because you're, you're trying to be noticed or you, you're afraid of not mattering to others. And so that, that one tends to be more fear-based. But the achievement-based value is kind of related, and that one tends to be a bit more consciousness-based. Uh, leadership is another value uh, that people can hold in a in consciousness-based way. And this is a bit as opposed to valuing control in a fear-based way. So as I mentioned before, you can value control because you're actually afraid of things getting out of control. But if what you really value is the ability to lead others, then this is more about, your, again, the self, because what you really have to be able to lead yourself before you're able to lead other people. So it's more internal to you. It's more based on what you really want. You really value being able to lead and inspire others. And so there's not a lot of fear in that. That's something that you want to do. Uh, adventure and novelty. Again, these are not values that in, in the Western culture that we really esteem very much on a societal level anymore, but a lot of people very deeply do value adventure and novelty in their life. Uh, travel, uh, going out and trying a new restaurant. Uh, maybe if you're non-monogamous, having a new partner. Uh, maybe if you you know, are monogamous, maybe it's you know, ha- having sex in a different room of the house, right? I mean, there are all kinds of ways that we can add adventure and novelty into our lives, but acknowledging that that's something you truly want and care about can be a huge part of really getting more of what you want in life in your life. So it's important to think about whether that is a value for you, even if society doesn't hold it very dear right now. Uh, There's also values around autonomy. Uh, For example, self-determination, the ability to make whatever you want of yourself, those can be really important values as well. Um, Again, sometimes we're told in, in society that that's not something we're supposed to value again this can often break down into culture uh, like gender-based expectations as well you we might think about girls being socialized to not really value autonomy to be dependent upon the men in their lives so that that would be another um, kind of society or, or family-based value that you may have internalize that might not really ring true for you if what, what you really truly value is autonomy A way of valuing spirituality too, and I mentioned earlier kind of religiosity, an idea that that's often based in a fear of hell, that you're, you're participating in a religion because if you don't participate in it fully, you're going to go to hell or bad, thing, terrible things are going to happen to you. Uh, valuing spirituality in a consciousness-based way is quite different from that. And this is something that I really struggled with myself in, in recognizing that spirituality was something that I valued because I thought of myself as an atheist and a, a scientist you know, who was really fact-based for a very long time. And it occurred to me that there are ways of experiencing spirituality that have nothing to do with a particular religious tradition. And that spirituality is really about what's internal to the self and what's greater than you, what's bigger than you, that, that's important to you. And that doesn't have to be a God or particular religious tradition. It could just be the majesty of the universe, right? But the ability to be awestruck and to feel insignificant compared to the raw majesty and power of the universe is actually a really spiritual and transcendent experience. Yeah, actually, I I, I wanted to hit on that myself to be one hundred percent honest because
1: I, you know, I grew up in a in a very religious household. Um, I say very religious, probably not nearly as religious as I make it out to be in that that respect, but. There was definitely that fear, and I think this is really a good um, value to stop at and realize the difference between the have to have versus want to have, right? With religiosity, that's often something you have to be religious because if you're not, this will happen to you, right? Where spirituality is, I want this for myself. I want to believe in this for myself to maybe make myself a better person. And I, being atheist myself, and and finding some form of spirituality in the majesty of the universe, as you so aptly put it, you know, the idea that we came from, you know, a little speck of nothing and burst out to the universe, and we're all necessarily part of that. We're all stardust, as Carl Sagan might say. Um, that can be a very spiritual notion, and that doesn't require any belief in in a, in a higher power of any sort to, to have that feeling. And that's something that comes internally rather than from external pressure.
0: Yeah, and I, I think one thing that's really in common with all of the consciousness-based values is they're all things that are internal to the self, that you're valuing for your own reasons versus valuing them because of fear of something else that's external to you, which is really what all the fear-based values have in common. And I think the spirituality one, being able to recognize that there's a capacity for spirituality inside of everybody and that how that manifests can be entirely different from person to person. In some cases, that is going to be religious faith. In some cases, it might be something like therianthropy, which is really important for a lot of people in the furry community. In some cases, it's just going to be belief in like I said, the majesty of the universe, or it might be belief in the oneness of all things, which is again, an Eastern sort of belief coming out of Buddhism. But there are many, many ways of experiencing spirituality that don't necessarily involve worship or a deity or anything of that nature. And being able to recognize how spirituality can be useful to you and how by valuing it in your own life, you can kind of bring, call into your life more of what you truly want that's a really powerful thing to recognize, was thinking about the degree to which you value spirituality and whether that, that is something you value, uh, it's something to kind of meditate on and think about a bit more deeply. Uh, personal growth is another major value that uh, people don't tend to think about, but a lot of people really do value that, the sense that they can better themselves or the sense that they can grow and change and, and improve from their mistakes. And valuing personal growth is actually probably one of the most transformative things that you can choose to value if you don't value it already. Because uh, Carol Dweck actually is a famous uh, psychologist who talks about this really extensively and invented the concept of mindset. And she really talks about there being two different types of mindsets. There's a growth mindset and there's a fixed mindset. In a growth mindset, you believe that the self is not fixed and that you're actually capable of improving and getting better over time. And in a fixed mindset, you believe the opposite, that you your personality is set and that there's no changing it. And it probably makes sense, but those who choose to hold a growth mindset and who value personal growth tend to do a lot better in terms of emotional health and success and lots of other things. So being able to cultivate a growth mindset in oneself is actually a pretty cool thing to be able to do if it's not something that you already value. But if you do value it already, reflecting on it and recognizing that that's a major value for you can also help you make more time for personal growth in your life and actually encourage it to happen because you're aware that it's something that's important to you. So it's it's a useful thing to think about. And kind of as opposed to the fear-based value of privacy, there's a consciousness-based value towards intimacy that many, many, many people hold, and it's probably one of the most common values that people emphasize. There's a really neat value around connecting to others and having another person who you can share your deepest thoughts and emotions and experiences with. Naturally, if you have a fear-based value around privacy, it's gonna be really, really hard to establish intimacy with another person, unless you're able to make yourself comfortable revealing your true self to that other person. So if you really value privacy and you also really value intimacy, you're eventually probably going to find out that those values are somewhat in conflict with one another and you might have to make a decision about which one of those things you truly value more or in which context it makes sense to be acting on either the privacy value or the intimacy value. Community, as I, I kind of mentioned community a bit Uh, earlier in terms of a source of our values, but I also mentioned how there's kind of a two-way relationship between the values that we hold and the values that the communities we're a part of hold. You can also kind of think about community as a bit of a meta value because it is, in a sense, valuing other people who also share your values. That means, of course, though, that it's important to know what your values are and what those of the community that you're thinking of being a part of are, to know whether it might be a good fit for you. If you're really not aware of what your values are, or you really haven't given much thought to what's important in the community you're planning to join, you're more likely to encounter a conflict or a misalignment of values between yourself and the community you're part of. And that can lead to a lot of stress and a lot of feelings of maybe not being included or feeling like you don't fit in or feeling like a, an outcast or a reject. And that's generally speaking, not what we go to communities to feel like. So this might be an important thing to consider when you're, if you're thinking about participating in a new community or a sub fandom or particular group. Yeah. And one of the things that does happen in those
1: communities is sometimes those community values do change. Um, you may join a group um, or a subgroup or, of a community and, and feel very welcome. But over time, just like everybody else's values do change over life, the the values of that community might change. Um, And sometimes that will be in direct conflict, not only with your values, but who you value as having friends, because they may be influenced enough by those changes that you may not recognize them as the same people anymore. Um, I had that sort of an experience personally inside of the gamer community recently Um, when Gamergate happened, right? Uh, A lot of people really got roped into it because they were initially put on the idea it was about ethics in journalism. That sounds, you know, really tempting to everybody, right? We all want there to be ethics in, in you know, news media, right? Um, so a lot of people were sucked in, but it kind of changed over time and things changed and they started taking up different values and ideas that conflicted with Values that I held when I joined and values I thought were being held by that community when I joined. So I kind of had a little bit of an expulsion. I had to reexamine what I valued and if I valued my friendship and my part of that community enough to eschew the values that I currently hold. Um, Eventually, I decided my values were more important to me and I did leave that community. So it, it's not like these having these values is not important
0: to us um, in society. It's very important because it will guide us where we go. Yeah, that's a really nice, poignant example of basically something I was about to talk about, which is really what to do if conflicts and values are present between yourself and a community that you might be part of, and you can c- kind of handle that in one of three ways. You can accept pain, the what I like to call and it kind of it's a dance savagism. But the price of admission to be part of the community and, to toler- and basically choose to tolerate the difference. You're aware of the difference. You know it's there. But rather than becoming upset about it, you just let it be. You might also choose to examine your own values and decide that yours might need to change. Maybe something that you thought was really important to you isn't so important to you in light of having this wonderful community of people available to you. And that by, you know, really valuing that, that one thing, you're costing yourself the ability to participate in a much larger group. So you decide not to value that thing so much anymore. The third thing you might choose to do is to recognize, you know what? One my, my, of the things that I value that are unique to me and that aren't part of the group, those things are really important to me. They're pretty core to who I am. And those aren't things I'm willing to compromise or give up. So in order to really be my true self and to be authentic to myself, I have to choose to not be a part of this community and maybe to find a community that might be a better fit for me based on the values that I do hold dear to myself. And those are the, the three good ways of handling a conflict. There's a fourth way, and it's kind of a bad way. In my personal opinion, I try to be non-judgmental, but I'm just gonna come straight out and say this is a bad way. <laughs> uh, but you see it sometimes in the furry community with like the furries who are really upset that sex like exists at at all. In the furry fandom, and they think that, like, because they came into the fandom and they're not sexual, that they have the right to make the entire fandom asexual and, like, Barbie and Ken doll, like, no genitals ever kind of thing. And, you know, I respect their values. And, like, it's totally cool to not value sex and think that that's icky and gross and not something I want to see on my day to day. That's totally fine. But the thing is, coming into the fandom, that actually is a pretty big. Va- thing in the furry fandom, and a pretty large swath of the furry fandom is sexual and does incorporate sexuality into the way they express themselves in the fandom. And you don't have to be a part of that subgroup, but you do kind of have to tolerate that they exist if you want to be a furry. And it's pretty difficult to live your life just constantly in conflict and angst over the fact that these sexual furries exist if you're one of those individuals, right? So you kind of want to avoid that that constant stress of trying to change the community that you're in as a one man army, because you're not gonna have very much success in shifting the values of an entire community as just the kind of the odd man out, right? What you're most likely to do is alienate the community that you're trying to become a part of and make it much harder to actually generally connect with people who are in that group because they're going to be feeling attacked by you on the regular and that's not a very fun experience for people in a, in a community to have. They don't they don't really come to communities to feel attacked. So that's not to say that you can't change a community from within, but that you in order to do that, you really have to be a part of the community first and you kind of have to win the hearts and minds of of other, others around to, to what you what you're valuing without really just demanding that others change their values based on what you hold dear. Uh, the wise sage John Mayer once wrote No one ever changed their minds from something someone shouted real loud one time. And I think that is true. You shouting real loud about your values in this new group isn't gonna change anybody's mind. But participating in that group and showing that you respect their values and you understand why they value what you do and choosing to try to understand before seeking to be understood, that's a great way to change people's minds and to perhaps shift their values. But you have to do that by becoming a true, genuine part of that community first without seeking to change it from the outside. And uh, I think that's why I would, I would askew that fourth way, which is to come into the community and just shout real loud uh, about how everyone's doing it wrong. That tends to not be very effective. Chase, do you have any uh, experience with that, that mode of uh, community building? Uh, don't go in a bar and tell people to stop drinking. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) That's not. I mean, that's not the best way to get people to sign up for Alcoholics Anonymous, right? You don't run into the bar and say, "Hey, all you drunks, you guys are losers. You should come to an Alcoholics Anonymous," right? That wouldn't be very effective. <laughs> I think you'd make those people feel very attacked. So, yeah, it's a, that's a really wonderful metaphor. Uh, there's a better way of, of doing that, right? Maybe if you actually went into the bar, and you sat down, maybe you had a, you know, a non-alcoholic drink, but you sat down, you had a couple of drinks with the guys, you heard them out, you understood why they liked coming to the bar. You could then maybe tell them, hey, you can get a lot of those same things at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, and this is what we do, and this is why we, we value what we value, and you know, hear us out, right? That would be a much more effective way of sharing your values with that person rather than just demanding that the entire community shift to what you value, right? Cool. So um, I think from there self-expression we i talked about this a bit earlier but you know in kind of the autonomy uh value but similar idea valuing the ability to express yourself through art or or song or or spoken word through your writing uh through the relationships you hold whatever it is that makes you feel like you're expressing yourself that's something a lot of people really want to be able to do and it's important it's important to recognize the extent to which you value self-expression fulfillment It's kind of uh, another one. It's aligned with the achievement one that I mentioned before, but fulfillment is more about feeling like you're actually living your purpose. And of course, in order to feel fulfilled, you'd have to know what your purpose was. And that might take a whole nother set of self-exploration, but people often do value feeling like they are living their purpose and like they're living up to what they aspire to be. And that that's something that you, you might want to examine for yourself, how much that that's true for you. Speaking of truth, truth is a value that many many people hold uh it's kind of suffering these days i feel like there's there's a little bit of uh lack of truth value going on at the upper echelons of our federal government right now but you know generally speaking people by and large tend to value the truth they want to know how things really are they don't want to just live in their own bubbles of belief they want to know what what the facts are and this is kind of where people who value science, people who value journalism. This is oftentimes boils down to a really strong value of truth. So you might wanna think about the extent to which that's a value for you. Justice, another really strong value. People like to feel that the world is just and like to do what they can to make it so. They, they might you know be really intolerant of things seeming unfair because they really have a strong value of justice, and they want, they want to spread justice in the world. So you might want to think about the extent to which you're valuing justice. Justice is one of those weird values, too, that sometimes you can value a bit too much, because as much as we value justice, at the end of the day, we kind of have to acknowledge that we don't really live in a just world as much as we would like to. Injustice happens, right? And so this is actually a major point that the Stoics uh, from Greek and Roman philosophy were really big on, Seneca spoke a lot about this, but he really talked about the idea that we have to accept injustice as a premise before we can really free ourselves to pursue justice because justice is something that needs to be actively maintained in the world. In some sense, it's artificial because justice is a human value. It's not something that is inherent to nature. It's, it's, it's wrapped up in human judgment. So if we wish to create justice in the world, we first need to accept that the world is unjust and not let ourselves get bogged down in the fact that the world is unjust, but instead continue forward and strive to create that justice in the world that, that we live in, if that's a value that we hold. So you might want to think about, you know, the extent to which you value justice and how how you're living that value and whether you're living that value from a place of, expecting everything to be just, or a place of expecting everything to be unjust and then striving to create justice in the world. Knowledge is another uh, value that I I talked about earlier in the category of fear-based, but there's also a way to value knowledge in a consciousness-based way. And this is when you're valuing knowledge in a basis of curiosity, as opposed to fear of the unknown. Again, people who are very invested in things like journalism and science Tend to value knowledge in this way because they're just really curious and they they have a desire to understand this is uh another way to think about this is something that bertrand russell broke down into uh love knowledge and power knowledge and bertrand russell talked about uh love knowledge being wanting to know something just because you truly love it you're passionate for it you want to know everything about it because it fascinates you and Power knowledge is that other type of knowledge where it's fear of the unknown, the desire to control, to maintain order. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with valuing knowledge in either way, but I think it's important to think about the extent to which you value knowledge and why you value it and be honest with yourself. And if it's you don't like the answer, it might be something you choose to change, but it's important to think about why we value the things that we value. And there there are different ways of valuing knowledge. Chase, did you have something you wanted to add there? Yeah,
1: um, I, I kind of waited till probably the last point here um, to, to bring this up, uh, because I, I wanted to tie in the fact that a lot of these, especially the the conscious based values that we're speaking of here, um, tie into one another extremely well, um, like truth and justice, for example, like oftentimes justice is going to rely on truth. So you need to have a value for both to express both of them uh, properly. Um, and, and knowledge is definitely one of those because it ties back into um, personal growth definitely especially out of the curiosity element of it um, and i've definitely had experience with that um even here in the community um right i when when i first came into the community i i had some you know maybe some preconceived notions about certain segments especially the uh, abdl and uh, baby fur community um and i had an aversion to stay away from that because i i didn't uh, I didn't express my curiosity enough to learn. I steeped myself in ignorance, uh, which is is something that <sighs> happens to to even the best of us. Um, but I always looked at it you know, through, through a crooked eye. Um, but eventually when I started valuing um, that curiosity-based knowledge rather than power-based knowledge, um, I, I wanted to learn more and understand why I was having these inversions, try to figure out what my exact problems were um, so I, I went and I realized actually I had a number of really good friends in the baby fur community and I spoke to him about it and, and I said, I listened to him. I didn't go in there thinking, you know, all the preconceived notions that I originally had. And once I opened myself up and learned about these things and learned about, you know, the headspace ideas, um, I, my opinion greatly changed now it's still something I'm not interested in. Right. But I at least understand, and that was a personal growth thing. And now it's not something that I can have, you know, wonderful conversations with the people in those, those sub communities that I wasn't able to have before. Um, And and that's helped lead me to not just be more open, uh, but allowing me to have a little bit more empathy for
0: other people inside of the community. Cool. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Uh, And I think I really like your, talking about the example of trying to understand different subcommunities within the community that you're part of. And I think that's actually a really great opportunity to express that kind of uh, curiosity value, because as I mentioned before, in some situations, you might have to choose to tolerate things being part of your community that you don't value. And choosing to express a value of curiosity about those things is actually one great way to be able to tolerate them because that means that you can understand what's going on there without really having to value it for yourself. But you can be able to take the perspective of another person and understand why they might choose to value something different from what you value. And that's a really powerful skill. It makes you uh, able to really empathize with and understand other people and really get along better with people in your life who you might, in some sense, be forced to get along to, either because they're part of a community that you really value, or because they're part of your workplace, or they're part of your school environment, or because they're your boss, or because they're your child. These are people you can't easily get away from, right? So even if you don't value the same things, you might have to be able to tolerate each other and being able to express curiosity about each other and try to understand why someone might choose to value something different from what you value. Really important stuff. So I I really appreciate you uh, highlighting that, Chase. Is there anything else you wanted to hit before we move on to the meat and potatoes of our episode, Choosing Your Values?
1: I mean, no, um, beyond, we, we already touched on it a little bit, um, but I, I just wanted to note, you know, the fear-based values versus conscious-based value, oftentimes those those fear-based values are the ones that are instilled on us by our friends, our family, and society at large. And, you know, some people can live in that sort of manner and that's fine and that works for them. Um, But I think that as you once again outlined before, people that happen to be happier, you tend to have the conscious based values that come eternally um, from within themselves. So they don't have that inner conflict. It's sometimes easier to be in conflict with the world than it is to be with yourself.
0: Yeah. And speaking to that point a bit more, I think oftentimes the fear based values are things that we tend to get in early childhood And they tend not to be things that we consciously examine unless we really set out to do so and go into some self-exploration to think about our values. But, you know, let's take that example I mentioned earlier of valuing peace and not rocking the boat because of a fear of conflict, right? Maybe that value came about because your parents fought a lot when you were little and that, that scared you when you were a child. And so you learned early on that, you know, when mommy expresses herself, daddy gets upset and then the whole family has a miserable night. So you learned that it's better not to express yourself because otherwise people might get upset and you might have a miserable time, right? That's a value that you might have internalized and learned when you were very young. And maybe you're not around people who react that way anymore. Maybe that value doesn't really have much value for you anymore but you're still clinging to it because it's something you learned when you were really young and you never really brought it back up to examine it for yourself. So I think that's actually a really good segue into uh, the the most exciting, in my opinion, part of our show today, which is going to be about choosing your values and figuring out which of those values you learned at an early age are really important for you and which of your values maybe you need to chuck and, and find new values for yourself that'll express your true self a bit better. So choosing your values is really about thinking of each new moment as a fresh opportunity to decide who you want to be. One of the foundation principles that I choose to live by is that the greatest freedom is the freedom of choice. And you can think about whether that's something that you really believe as well, but really at at every, any given moment, the power that you always have is the ability to choose how you perceive the world that you're in, how you perceive yourself, and what you value. You always have the opportunity to choose what you value. It might not always feel that way, but ultimately it's a choice, right? We, we are taught to value certain things, but we don't necessarily have to value the things we were taught to value. We can choose new things for ourselves as well. The, a famous uh, counselor and uh, counselor educator named Michael uh, Pastor once said, it is better to follow the voice inside and be at war with the whole world than it is to follow the ways of the world and to be at war with your deepest self. I think there's really a lot of value in that to think about, you know, really, you know, you might think about even just being closeted as either a furry or a member of the LGBT community. You know, If you've ever been closeted and then experienced what it's like to come out, you understand this idea that it's really hard to feel like your inner self is at war with the whole world and like you're being forced to conceal something that's really important to you being able to live your values is really really a major deal that matters to a lot of people and this is why people really experience the coming out process as being a really freeing process and really an an opportunity to explore their their true self so what are your values? You know, you might, it might not be something you've ever asked yourself before. The question might feel a little bit uncomfortable. You might not be able to just look inside of yourself and, you know, find values.txt and open it up and, you know, in your mental map and, and figure that out. Right. But, you know, they are in there somewhere. So how do you actually know what they are? Sometimes you, you can figure it out just by, you know, seeing a list of values and like, oh, yeah, I, I value truth. I value justice. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But there are other values that might be a bit deeper. Maybe you don't recognize that you value them necessarily until there's a specific situation presented to you where that value really shows itself. So you might, in, in order to figure out what your values are, it's helpful to think about what situations or conflicts make you highly emotional either positively or negatively. In other words, what, what things push your buttons? You know, like what, when, 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 when someone does this particular thing, you have a particular strong reaction to it. Why is that? You know, you might ask yourself, what value of yours was, wasn't respected in the situation if you were made to feel negatively? Or you might think about what value was, was it of yours that was actually was respected if the situation made you feel very positively. And that's a great way to tease out your values because there's always a value at stake when you're feeling really emotional about something. Generally speaking, it's when our, emotion, our, 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 our values are either treated with great respect or when they are treated with no respect that we have a strong emotional response. Uh, now, if the situational way of thinking about this doesn't bring up a lot of things for you, um, there are, there's other also some kind of like some just questions that you can ask yourself that'll help you tease out what your values might be. If you think about them in a kind of values context, you might ask yourself empowering questions such as what am I unwilling to tolerate? Like, what is it in my life that if it, I just can't put up with it. Like if there's somebody around me who, do, who does this one particular thing, I just, I'm out of there. I just won't put up with it. I can't even make myself be in the same room with this. That that probably means that there's a pretty major value at stake for you. You might also ask yourself, what am I unwilling to give up? Right, The things that you are unwilling to give up under any circumstances, those are things that you value for one reason or another. And you might want to think about what those reasons are. You might also ask yourself, what recharges my batteries? As in, when do I feel really at peace? When does time just seem to flow for me? And I'm just kind of really, ah, uh, like I can just relax. What when Those activities, that, those situations are probably things that you value because everyone really values the ability to recharge, right? That's a, that's a core human need. You might also ask yourself, what really makes me feel excited? It gets back to that idea that When we feel positive emotions very strongly, it generally means that one of our values is being respected or is being honored. And you might ask yourself, what value of mine is being honored when I'm feeling excited? You might also ask yourself, what experiences or activities have the most meaning for me? What are the things that I remember? The things that you have really strong kind of flashbulb memories of? that you can remember in great detail, almost as if you were still in that moment. Generally speaking, those moments had something to do with a value that you hold really dear to yourself. Either that value being tarnished or or disrespected, or that value again being honored very deeply. So you might wanna think about which of those values were at stake for you in that situation. You could also ask yourself, why do I need the things that I tell myself I need? What is it that makes this a need and not a want? What value is at stake for me that I need this thing rather than just want it? Another really interesting question is when do I compromise my values and why do I do that? This is a great way of figuring out if you know there's something that you value that you're compromising because you need to fit in with a community that you're part of, in which case you might think about, well, do I actually value this thing at all if I'm willing to compromise it? Or Is there a situation where you feel coerced into compromising a value that actually is really important to you, but maybe it's conflicting with some other value that's being imposed on you from outside? And that might be a situation of thinking about how can I bring these two things back into accord with each other? You also could think of ask yourself, what keeps me going when times get tough? Or what is it that I value that I have that prevents things from getting any worse? Generally speaking, those things that really we cling to to keep us going during our dark times, those are things that we really value. And it might be important to call awareness to what those things are. One of my favorite questions is, "What is? where is there a gap between who I am and who I really know myself to be? This might be a situation where you're just not living up to a value that you find really important. but being aware of what that value is might actually make it easier for you to live in accord with that value. Because when we're aware of something, we have a lot more uh, freedom to choose actions that will be in alignment with our values. So if there's something that's really blocking you from being the person that you really want to be or that you know yourself to be, ask yourself what that block is preventing you from achieving, what value is at stake for you in that. And being aware of that value might actually make the block seem less significant. So, a lot of some questions I like to ask myself is: Is there anything that you kind of do to explore your own values, or that you can talk to, uh, to Chase? That I know you said that you kind of went through a values exploration yourself and and went through a bit of this process. So I'm just wondering if you had anything else you'd like to share about your own process here.
1: Right. So my exploration with changing my values um, it's actually was kind of a little bit weird for me, is because I I've had maybe I want to say like three big shifts in my values in life. Um, one of them being brought on going through puberty. Right. Um, and, and having that change of valuing what society, my parents, my friends, etc., imposed on me and told what is important to value and getting some of that internalized values coming out. Um, and I think a lot of people, most people probably go through that during their teenage years. Um, then I had some issues, which I, I, I mentioned, I did have health issues with uh, PTSD, um, ended up moving down to Florida, um, totally away from what I originally uh, just a totally different society. Basically, um, going from the Midwest to to yeah, Tampa, Florida is not exactly um, a small change in lifestyle. Um, so I, I readjust my values there. And then here recently, during my process of getting better, I once again readjusted my values and went back to those values that I had kind of found in my teenage years. Um, And the reason that those happened in that order is because when I got unhealthy, um, I started accepting more of the fear-based values. Um, I wanted to avoid the conflict. I I did not want to rock the boat um, because I had seen how my emotional reactions could be, um, in those moments. Uh, so I started accepting that stuff and it kept me from becoming healthy, uh, because I wasn't challenging myself. I wasn't growing. I was just avoiding absolutely everything that I could. Um, I wanted a whole bunch of privacy. I didn't want people finding out about some of the things, especially, you know, when, when if they found out about stuff I was doing in the Midwest, I might've been in a little bit of trouble down here in Florida. Right. Um, so I had a lot of those fear-based values and I just kept on ending up in a cycle because I had an inner conflict where. What really actually was important to me, I wasn't expressing simply because I was too afraid of the views of society as a whole against me. Um, So it's really important to me personally that when when you are going through life changes, changes that are extremely um, stressing, so to speak, That Those are the type of times that it's best to reassess your values because oftentimes that stress comes from um, a conflict between your values and what's going on in your life. Uh, So it's important then to start asking some of these questions and asking, why am I stressed out? Why are these things bothering me? Uh, Because that will start to get you to the root of what values or ethics or morals are being crossed in your life that are compounding that stress.
0: And that's actually a great segue into talking about why you might actually want to choose new values, right? And I think those are some great reasons that you've highlighted already. But basically you can think about, you know, whenever different values might conflict with each other, Like I said earlier, one of the great examples of that is that value of privacy versus value of intimacy. Right? You can't be fully private at all times. You'll never let anybody else know who you are. You'll never be able to establish true intimacy with another person. Right? You have to have times when you're letting that value of intimacy win out over your value of privacy, and you need to be consciously aware of that if you do value both of those things, so that you can choose which one you want to respect in a given situation. Right? Um, You might also want like I said earlier, I talked about this, there's a situation where you might need to reconcile your values, either with a community that you're part of, or a sub community or a sub fandom, or, you know, even just a group of friends, maybe it's a relationship partner, there are times when you cut your values and those of someone that you really care about might conflict. And there might be a a need to kind of reconcile or at least figure out a way to tolerate that difference in values between yourself and another person. But by highlighting the fact that you and the other person are simply valuing different things, you actually remove a lot of the judgment from the situation and you'll find it a lot easier to be around that person because you at least feel like you understand where they're coming from. And that kind of empathy, that ability to understand where somebody else is coming from makes pretty much all interactions between people go a lot more smoothly. So, Trying to figure out what someone else is valuing in a situation to make them act the way they are is a great way to make yourself less stressed out by what they're doing. And it's just a really useful skill to be able to have. So think about, you know, what what are the values of this other person who I'm having conflict with? What what values do they hold and what you know, how are those different from my values? And you know, does it make sense that they're valuing what they're valuing in the situation? Maybe I want to value what they're valuing in the situation instead of what I'm valuing. Maybe so that might be a situation where you do choose to change your values. Or maybe, you know what? No, I really do value what's important to me here. And I can understand why they value something else, but that's not what I value. But at least in that situation, maybe you can understand, because you understand them, you can tolerate being around them a bit more easily. And it might also kind of reduce your stress to the point where you're able to focus on which values it is that you do share with that person because there probably are things that you can align on and so maybe you know by recognizing the places where you disagree that then kind of frees up your energy to explore the places where you do agree and the common ground that you might share with that person another time that you might choose new values is when acting according to a certain value just doesn't feel right this might occur when you're acting on one of those values that you kind of internalized when you were very young maybe it's a fear-based value and you know whenever you act this way it just doesn't feel true to who you really are like you know maybe you know you because you you were taught that to value um keeping the peace because that's what was modeled for you and your family you find yourself never really advocating for yourself even when your needs and wants are being trampled by other people around you and so you find yourself because you you value keeping the peace and you're taught that's what you know good boys or good girls do you don't speak up but then afterwards you just feel awful about it like you really missed an opportunity and like you, you're you're just you're beating yourself up and you're you're rehearsing it in your mind and why didn't i say anything and i should i, I wanted to say this why didn't i say this that's a pretty good sign that that value is just maybe not one that value of always keeping the peace. Maybe that's not a value that you want to hold for yourself anymore. Maybe maybe that value is not serving you very well. Maybe you want to think about valuing self-advocacy or self-expression a bit more highly, right? Maybe that's a value that's really important to your true self. So you might want to think about things like that and consider whether values are actually serving your needs. Because again, everything is a choice the greatest freedom is the freedom to choose and you can choose not to value something if it's not serving you well any longer this is kind of related to the uh, the next idea i was going to bring up which is when you realize that a value is coming from outside of yourself and isn't something that you really care about you know maybe you were taught to value well, this might be one for me i was raised to really care about how the packers do yeah uh, you know cuz i i was raised in wisconsin and people bleed green and gold in wisconsin and you know, if you didn't know how, how the Packers went and how well Brett Favre threw that week when I was growing up, you were basically an outcast from society. So for even a while after I moved out of Wisconsin, I found myself following the Packers, even though I really didn't care that much about football. I never really followed any team except the Packers. And like I only ever kind of had a very weak appreciation for watching them play, even though I did it because it was a kind of cultural thing. But eventually I realized, you know, I don't live in Wisconsin more, anymore, and I'm not surrounded by Packers fans who expect me to know the score every week. I don't really need to follow this. It's kind of wasting my time. There's other things that are more interesting that I could be doing. So I stopped. I don't I don't follow the Packers any longer. It was something that I valued from when I was younger that wasn't serving me well any longer, so I dropped it. But that's, that's the situation. And also... I didn't grow up, you know, loving football. It was something that it was just kind of culturally around me. And so I recognized, you know, that value is not really my value. That's a a value that came from outside of myself that I don't really need to hold any longer. Uh, Another situation where you might choose to reassess a value is when it's being constantly transgressed, when you feel like your value is being disrespected over and over and over again. Every time it happens, you find yourself getting stressed out and upset and, you know, maybe get obsessing over the situation. And it's just making you miserable. One thing you might choose to do is really think about, you know, why is that such a hot button issue for me? What is it that I'm valuing there? That's, that's getting transgressed. And maybe I can think, reframe the situation, or maybe I can even change what I'm valuing in the situation in order to not be so stressed out anymore. So you might think about, you know, what you might, yeah, this one value was, was transgressed, but Maybe some other value of yours was respected in the situation. For example, if you know, you're getting really stressed out because somebody said something nasty to you, and instead of coming back with a witty retort, you kept silent, and later on you're beating yourself up because you didn't say anything back, you could at least recognize, hey, I did a great job of respecting my value of keeping the peace, and I didn't upset anyone in that situation. It, you know, it might not be necessarily the highest value held in the situation, but rather than beat yourself up for what you didn't do, it's nice to at least rec- be able to recognize in yourself the things that you did do that respected some of your values. And that can be a way of at least taking the negative energy out of a situation so that you can move past it more easily. Um, another, this is kind of a related point, but when failing to live up to a value is causing you great deals of shame or guilt or anger or anxiety or fear basically like the five horsemen of the negative emotion apocalypse. Um, if you're feeling a lot of those, because you just feel like no matter what you do, you can't live up to a value, you might want to think about why you set the bar where you did and whether you're really being fair to yourself or whether that's a value that, again, is internal to you or if it's coming from somewhere else. You know, If you feel like no matter what you do, you can't make enough money and you're really beating yourself up because you just can't earn enough money, Maybe you think about, well, why do I even value earning so much money? What do I want to do with that money so badly? May, if I've got a lot, you know, family I'm happy with, lots of good friends, I've got roof over my head, I can eat, I've got health care. Why do I need so much money? Maybe that was a value that came from your family. Maybe that's a value that came from society that you think, you know, wealth equals worthiness in society or something like that. You might think about, well, is that really what I value? Is that, true to, is that true to me or is that coming from outside? Why do I care about this so much? Do I have to care about it so much or can I choose to care about something else? So if you find yourself you know, constantly feeling all these negative emotions because you're just not able to live up to a value, just think about, is this really my value? Do I need to value this to the extent that I do? What else could I be valuing in the situation that would maybe make me feel better? What emotion do I really wanna have about this situation? All good questions to ask. So I don't know, that's kind of how I approach changing values. And I've definitely had to do that a bit, as I kind of talked about in some silly examples. But Chase, you had a bit more nuanced approach to kind of, and I think a bit more proximity to some major changes in values in your own life. So I'd I'd be honored if you'd go into a bit of your own process a bit here.
1: Yeah, so I I briefly touched on it. I, I just kind of wanted to kind of prep people for it before I talked about it. So you had an idea Uh, where my thoughts and ideas come from and how these changes applied to me. Um, I mentioned, right, having PTSD. So uh, I didn't just have PTSD. I also had something known as uh, borderline personality disorder. Uh, Thankfully, that's not as much of a disease in the same way that PTSD is, and I've overcome that. And changing my value set was what allowed me to do so. Um, so I, I mentioned you know that that fear of of conflict, the fear of having people around me just totally not want anything to do with me because of of parts of my life that conflict, didn't work well for me. I I never handled conflict well because I was never given the opportunity to handle it. Well, I grew up in a, a very dysfunctional household where some very terrible things happened in that household. Um, and they had an effect on me that still resonates today, even, even though I'm at a point where I'm much better and things with mental health, they don't go away. They just, they don't go away. They're a chronic illness. I'll always fight it. Right. Um, and, and I had to accept that, um, that was something I wasn't able to accept before. That was a value I had to learn, um, is, is being okay with, uh, the flaws in myself, whether I was, whether they come from me and the values that I hold or whether they come from certain biology in my life. Um, so I had this really, really bad, um, value of avoiding conflict and, and privacy, and just not wanting anybody to possibly get close to me because i was afraid of hurting them um because it, no matter what i do my number one value in my life personally is uh is empathy i i really feel for other people even though sometimes especially during that point where i was really having this huge fight with with my inner demons um the ways that I was showing empathy did not line up with uh, with good values. I, I was very much just extremely isolated, and and it comes back to the idea of when you're free, you're also very vulnerable, right? And I didn't want to be vulnerable, so I went out and got proper help that I needed. I got a lot of help from my family, as, as much as I hate to say that I got a lot of help from my family. Um, And then they were wonderful to, to allow me to do so. But what I had to do is I had to reexamine how I framed my values and, and whether those values served me in a way that actually allowed me real personal growth, because I have always valued personal growth. Even when I was going through those dark times, I, I was very interested in getting back to college and getting my degree, um, I think what the, the biggest change that made me realize that I, I was going down the wrong path with my vo- values was because of having this want to avoid conflict and pain, um, I had eschewed my responsibility of taking care of the people in my community. Um, and and I felt a, a very big disconnect uh, from not just people in my personal community and my personal circle of friends, my personal life. Uh, I also felt a huge disconnect with the furry community, uh, which was always a big part of my life. I mean, honestly, if it wasn't for the furry community, I probably wouldn't have you know been able to express myself in in emotionally in relationships, nor sexually in relationships, um, the way that I have been able to. Uh, It it was actually the furry community was great in allowing me to have the freedom to express myself in in the ways that I wasn't allowed to in my somewhat religious household. Um, And one of the big changes was maybe changing my knowledge um, value from one of those of wanting power of wanting knowledge so that I could do better in my life to wanting knowledge just because I want to know some of this stuff, right? That was something that actually that was fostered in me at very young, but because of those fears coming into me in in some of those dark times, I changed it from that curiosity into the power-based knowledge because I wanted to get out of my situation. I thought, you know, somehow making more money would make me better or those type of thoughts, which it never did because the battles I was facing, especially with uh, borderline personality disorder, um, were more of an internal battle. They weren't based on external forces. They were based on a mismatch of, of my values. You know, when when you have a value of, of freedom, but you also have a value of privacy and avoiding conflict, th- those things are going to fight each other because ultimate freedom means you're going to be disagreeing with a lot of other people. It means you're going to have a lot of conflict in your life. That's so you can't point. value both of those, right? You can't value both. You can choose one or the other. You can maybe have a little bit of a sliding scale even, but it's hard to value both extremely highly without there being some sort of conflict between two and in an internal fight. And that internal fight is the thing that, you know, is maybe the hardest fight to win because you're never going to get somebody to be able to tell you that this is the right way to think about, um, about your values. You're not going to have somebody tell you um, that your, your pain is, should be on this threshold or this threshold. Only, only you know, those things, right? So, yeah. th- so those internal conflicts are the hardest ones to fight because there's not going to be anybody else to help you fight them. So it's great to be able to relieve some of that stress. And one of the best ways to do that is make certain that your line of thinking and your decisions, um, is, is consistent, is logical. And that starts at the
0: very top by defining your values. Right. Because if you're making decisions that are aligned with your values, you're going to be experiencing a more joyful life. That's just how it works, right? Um, I think one place, too, that, especially within the context of furry relationships, one particular value that I think a lot of people tend to need to assess for themselves. We actually devoted a whole show to this. uh, But it's commitment versus autonomy. Those are two values that are opposed to each other. And you can be in different spots on a, on a spectrum kind of between you know two different axes, uh, two different poles on one axis, I suppose, of commitment on one side and, and autonomy on the other. And when you're choosing your partners, that's one situation where you really want to make sure that your value is pretty well aligned. You can have a, be a little bit off, but if you're at two different ends of the spectrum, you're going to run into a lot of conflict over one of you having expectations surrounding kind of almost a collectivist view of putting the the pack or the relationship ahead of personal interests. And the other person is going to have an expectation of each person doing what's going to make them happiest and expecting the the others involved to just tolerate whatever that might be. Both of those are 100% valid ways of living. And there's nothing wrong with either one, but they don't really coexist very well unless you're extremely cognizant of the fact that there is a difference and you're somehow able to tolerate it, unless you're in the category of people who are really good at being able to do that, you really wanna make sure that you're choosing partners who are pretty close to you on that commitment versus autonomy axis. And if that's something you'd like to hear more about, we have a a show uh, that we've done on that in the past. You can go through our archives and and dig that out and it might be interesting for you. Uh, One other thing I'll point out that can be really helpful in figuring out what it is that you truly value is taking a values assessment and I'm going to post a link in the show notes uh, to a values assessment tool that was shared with me during my coaching training, and it's a really neat tool because it lists out a whole bunch of values, and it provides two different columns. One column allows you to rank from one to uh, one to ten how important that value is to you, and the second column allows you to rank how well you're walking the talk with each of those values. In other words, how well you're you're living up to that value. So if you're finding that you're valuing something really highly, but you're not really walking the talk or, lit, or honoring that value in your life, you might want to think about which of those things you want to change. Do I want to value this thing less, or do I want to change my behavior so that, such that I'm honoring this value more and it can be a really useful tool for self-reflection. So if you're interested in that, I will provide the link in the show notes. Is there anything else you wanted to add on the main topic, Chase? No, actually I, I think
1: we've, pretty much beaten it into the ground in some ways. Um, I think there's a lot of really good information there for you guys to consider. Uh, I think what one of the the points that we're trying to get across here is just how important this, the idea of values is and how much people maybe don't take it into consideration simply because they view it as such a basic concept that they don't necessarily take the time to stop and
0: think about it the way that they should. Right. And I think just taking that time to assess what your values are and to think about the groups that you're in and the relationships you're in as essentially collections of values that you're choosing to participate in is a really useful way to think. And it can really help you inform your choices about what groups you associate with, which partnerships you enter into. Um really even just what you choose to be stressed out about, right? I mean, those, all of those things come from your values. And so it's a really foundational concept, but it's also one that we often don't pay a lot of attention to in our, inside of ourselves. And hopefully by listening to this episode, you've gained a few different tools or some insights into your own values and ways that you might be able to hone them to serve you a bit better. Uh, with that, I think we'll move on to feedback and questions. Uh, since it's been about four months, uh, there's not a whole lot of feedback on crickets that have been chirping. So I'm going to skip feedback for the time being, but hopefully we'll have some feedback on how much we totally sucked this episode for next episode. Tune Sorry. in next time. <laughs> I do recognize that, you know, we probably are having some audio quality glitches and things It's because it's a new setup, but please bear with us. I'm doing my best. Um, okay, So questions, Uh, we did receive a question this week anonymously via our contact form. If you would like to be like the questioner and submit a a question that way, you can do so at feralattraction.com contact. The subject was mates now metamors. Our questioner writes, my two mates recently broke up with each other, leaving me in the middle. One mate is desperately clean to me And the other is constantly offering advice on how to keep my other relationship healthy. How do I just let things happen without the other thinking they had a hand in it? Okay, so first off, it's perfectly understandable that you would be frustrated that your mates are trying to take credit for decisions that you feel you're making on your own regarding how to handle each of them now that you're essentially the hinge partner in a V relationship that used to be a triad. It's really frustrating to feel that way, but I think this is one of those situations where you have to be willing to take responsibility for those things that are under your control, and you have to be willing to let go of control of those things that really aren't your responsibility. And in this situation, you don't actually have any control over what anyone else thinks, including your partners. So they can think whatever they like, but you know the truth and you know whether or not they had a hand in your decisions and you can make your decisions regardless of what they think. So I think that's really the key is just being aware of the fact that, you know, your mates can think whatever they like and you can calmly and politely tell them, hey, I understand that you think I made this decision based on X or Y. And it's perfectly natural that you would think that way, given Z but in truth, I made the decision for Q and W reasons, right? So you can you can level with your mates and, and explain to them what your actual decision-making process was. And you can endeavor to understand why they think the way they do. And you can acknowledge them and validate their feelings without having to agree with them. And at the end of the day, you can express the what your truth is which is that you made the decision for a different reason and beyond that you don't have any further control of the situation you can't at the end of the day actually choose what your partners end up thinking maybe what you say will change their mind and maybe it won't but that's really out of your control and at that point the best thing for you to do is simply to tolerate the, the fact and accept the fact that you don't have control over what they think but all you can do is basically make the best decision you can and then live with the consequences of that decision. So that might not be exactly the advice you want to hear because I think you'd like me to wave a magic wand that would make your partners think whatever you want. But unfortunately, uh, the patent is still pending on that wand. It's still going to Underwriters Labs. I haven't quite gotten the final QC, so can't give you the wand yet, but check back with me. Hopefully in the meanwhile, that little communication tip will be of service. Did you have anything you want to toss in there on the question, Chase? Or do you think that covers it?
1: No, I think I think that covers it well. Um, no, I just I, I I don't know that there's any great advice to give you other than what Vero has. This is just one of those situations where unfortunately you're you're kind of stuck where you can only worry about yourself as far as those feelings.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way of summing it up is be more concerned with what you're doing and thinking and feeling in the situation and accept that the thoughts and feelings of your partners are ultimately outside of your control. Uh, All right. So that wraps our first show in like four months. So way to go, everyone. Go team. Um, I will read our closer. So this is uh, the part where we get all of our fun contact information and hear our Patreon shout outs and all that jazz. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with me directly, Vero, Vero the Science Collie, that's me. I'm a dog, Bark. You can reach me on Telegram at t.me slash Vero or at Vero SciCollie on Twitter.com. Chase, where can people find you? Oh, they can find me on Twitter.com at, at
1: Chase underscore Wolf BTG. Um, I'm also a musician, so I, I do have some music for sale. If you look up at uh, wolf4life.bandcamp.com, I actually have an album that uh, is built around uh, my experiences with PTSD. Um, so if you're into some, you know, interesting music, there's some there. Where can people find that, Chase? Uh, once again, it's on Bandcamp, wolf4life.bandcamp.com.
0: the Number four, Order now. Okay. Yeah, that sounds really cool, actually. I I think I might even check that out myself. Uh, If you'd like to find the show itself or my advice column or pithy tweets that I put out four times a day to enrich your life and encourage higher consciousness living in the furry fandom, you can check out our Twitter stream at twitter.com slash feralattractfm or at feralattractfm. If you'd like to follow us on Facebook, we'll be cross, uh, cross post all of our twi- tweets and you can also reach us and interact with us. Uh, you can reach that at facebook.com slash feralattractfm. Our yes. contact page where you can find uh, an anonymous question form to write in with questions for either the podcast or advice column, uh, you can find all of our ways of getting in touch with us. You can also find links to our Telegram communities. We have both a 18 plus and general audience a Telegram community that uh, is a really wonderful, supportive environment to exchange ideas and get help with day to day life shit, as it were. Um, you can find that at slash contact. I'm also going to shamelessly plug the fact that uh, coaching services are now available through Feral Attraction. One of the reasons the show has been on a hiatus for the last four months is I have been pursuing certification as a professional life and relationship coach. I am now nearing the completion of my certification and I'm actively taking clients. So uh, if you would like to reach out to me directly for more one-on-one help with a relationship or life issue you are having, or maybe you'd like to sit down with somebody to actually explore your values and, and work through choosing your values with somebody who knows a thing or two about it, uh, I would actively encourage you to visit feralattraction.com slash coaching. Uh, I offer 60-minute coaching appointments. And uh, for at least a limited time, I'm offering a 60-minute complimentary first session to anyone who thinks they might want to sit down with me uh, for a coaching arrangement. So if you'd like to take advantage of that, you can get in touch with me and I will gladly work with you And if you'd like to continue working with me after that first hour, I accept all clients. I allow people to pay based on their ability to pay. So I I refuse to not take a client simply because they aren't in a financial position to work with a coach. I really believe that everyone should be able to work with a coach and get the help they need with advancing their life and moving forward in a positive direction. So if you're really interested in doing that, I'd really encourage you to reach out to me. And again, you can do so at feralattraction.com slash coaching. Lastly, uh, we have to do our Patreon shoutouts. Since we're only back up and running uh, recently, we haven't gotten all of our Patreon uh, patrons to get their new shoutouts into the show. So this week we just have the one. But I will point out that Joel Kreisman is a published author of anthropomorphic science fiction in his Para-Imperium Universe. His first novel, The Pride of Parahumans, was published with Thurston Howell Publications in 2017, and he has more free stories on his blog at paraimperium.wordpress.com. You should definitely check out his uh, writings if you're interested in science fiction, speculative fiction, uh, magical realism, any of those types of genres. It's really interesting stuff. And again, you can check that out at paraimperium.wordpress.com the i'm vero the science colleague i'm chase wolf thank you for being my guest chase it was wonderful recording with you hopefully we'll have you back again soon sometime love to be back all right everybody be well